This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for January 24th, 2020. Apple decides against end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups, a kerfuffle over two-factor. Flash may lose support in an upcoming version of Safari, ATM skimming, Sonos makes older hardware obsolete, Jeff Bezos had his iPhone hacked, and news of iPhone hacking and cracking. Now here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Hey, Josh, have you gotten any unexpected WhatsApp messages lately? Hmm. Do you even use WhatsApp? Um, I I have a WhatsApp account, yes. Um, I I don't really get messages on there. I did get a strange message on Skype the other day, but not not a weird one on WhatsApp recently. Okay, well, we're going to talk about this later, um, how Jeff Bezos, frankly, the world's richest man, um, got hacked via a WhatsApp message. First, we got a lot of news this week, and there's a really interesting story that came out. I'm good. We're going to link to Mac rumors, but everyone's talking about this, how Apple reportedly dropped plans for end-to-end encrypted iCloud backups after FBI objected. When I was looking into this over the past couple of days, it's really quite interesting how hard it is to understand what end-to-end encrypted means because Apple has a support page that talks about the various iCloud services and it says that they're encrypted in transit, encrypted on the server, but that's not exactly end-to-end encryption, is it? Well, so I, I think there's there's kind of a lot of things to try to piece together here, but I think what they're talking about um, is specifically making iCloud backups encrypted in such a way that Apple can't recover them. But the, but the point of this is that when you look at Apple's document, it says that they're encrypted, but what it doesn't say is that Apple can decrypt them. Well, right, exactly. And so it's a little bit misleading if you're if you're making the assumption that Apple can't decrypt them because it says they're encrypted, um, which I think a lot of people reasonably might make that assumption. You see the word encrypted and you automatically jump to, oh, it's protected. Nobody else can see it. But that's not necessarily how encryption works. There are all sorts of ways that you can have a document encrypted, um, but it's still accessible to somebody else. Real quick explanation of how this works in, in public key cryptography. Um, you basically have some file that you want to encrypt. You can encrypt that file with more than one person's key. And then more than one person, those particular people are able to encrypt it. So, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a one-to-one, I encrypted it and only I can decrypt it. And I think that's really what's going on behind the scenes here with iCloud is that, sure, it's it's decryptable with your iCloud account, but it's also decryptable by Apple. And we've seen that Apple has been able to turn over uh, data stored on iCloud to the FBI and others, you know, if they've gone through the proper legal procedures. Um, and so, you know, it's very clear that your so-called encrypted iCloud backup is not encrypted in such a way that Apple can't get to it. The problem is that end-to-end encryption to me suggests that from my iPhone, which is one end, to Apple's server, which is the other end, it is encrypted. 
And as you say, this is true, but it's not because someone else can get it. So the whole end-to-end encryption is really just fluff, isn't it? Well, so the, the other thing, when you say end-to-end, that, that at, at least implies that the data is encrypted while it's in transit. So in between your- Well, before it's in transit, yeah. B- before it, it leaves your phone and, uh, and then once it arrives on the server, that whole experience in between there, that data is encrypted, right? That's what, to me, when someone says into an encryption, that's what they're talking about. Exactly. And Apple does make it very clear that email is not encrypted in that manner oh, yeah. um, because of the fact that email goes over multiple servers between the sender and the receiver. So unless it is a specific service that offers encrypted email, something we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, your email will be readable by a lot of people. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, email has long been one of those things that um, I think uh, hopefully, you know, most people know that it's not a, uh, a secure method necessarily of sending messages. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in between. So things are maybe point to point into an encrypted, meaning that you might have a secure connection to your mail server. Um, but once it's sitting on that mail server, it's not necessarily encrypted. It probably is not encrypted when it's sitting on someone's mail server. Okay. Now, to go a little bit further, so the idea that Apple is not providing this full encryption, John Gruber on Daring Fireball has an article that goes back to a Wall Street Journal article in 2016 suggesting that the problem here is that if someone forgets a password and Apple doesn't have the keys, the user might not be able to access photos and other important data. And this is a big deal. This is you need to have some way of getting back into your account if you forget your password. Uh, we talked in the past about someone who was locked out of his account. And generally, if this happens, you go to, I believe it's iforgot.apple.com, and you answer a bunch of security questions, and there are going to be other questions. You have to give some email addresses, etc. And then someone will unlock your account because someone can unlock your account, and they'll reset it so you make a new password. Um, so the problem is that if they make this full end-to-end encryption where they have no access, oh, I think a lot of people forget their passwords. Well, and that's exactly <laughs> the challenge, right? You you can have a system that's so secure that if you forget how to get into it, then you can never get into it ever again. But that's not convenient. There, there's, there has to be that balance. And for a company like Apple with you know, lots and lots of non-tech savvy users, um, you know, they kind of need to have, one could argue that they need to have a way to allow people back into their accounts. <sighs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a tricky one. Okay, two-factor authentication, SMS. And you've said many times that it's insecure. And there was a bit of a Twitter kerfuffle a few days ago. I guess we'll name them Bitdefender, a security company, said users are advised to drop SMS two-factor authentication. Most wireless carriers in the U.S. are vulnerable to SIM swapping attacks and lack proper procedures to fend off hackers. And they got attacked because while it's not perfect, for many people, it's the only choice. So Bitdefender came back and they... Um, updated their blog post. But this is, again, another security versus convenience thing, just like what we saw with the iCloud password. If you don't have a better solution, SMS two-factor authentication is better than no two-factor authentication at all. 
Exactly. Yeah, that that's why I wanted to to bring this up. We we've, we've talked about this before, but it's worth reiterating that in case anyone is like, oh, I remember hearing on the Intego Mac podcast that you know it's not a good idea to use uh, SMS for two factor authentication. Well, the caveat on, on that is it's better to use SMS as your two-factor authentication if that's the only option rather than only relying on a password and having no two-factor. Because at least least that makes it a little bit harder for somebody to get into your accounts. Okay, Flash Player. How many times have we said you shouldn't use Flash Player? Um, (laughs) Pretty much every other episode we we mentioned it, although less lately because since Flash Player is um, scheduled to die at the end of the year, um, it's not really going to be an issue. The latest release of Apple's Safari Technology Preview, which is an app that they release with the coming features for Safari – um, seems to no longer have support for Flash at all. So while Flash used to be installed by default on Macs and then it was removed, now it looks like you're not going to be able to use it at all. And we were talking before the show, and Josh, you were thinking, well, they might not roll this out until you know Mac OS 10.16. But I'm thinking if it's in the Safari technology preview now, it's something that we should see pretty soon. Well, so what if Apple formally kills it off and makes it impossible to use even before Adobe has brought it to the end of its life. Yeah. I, you know what, to me, it wouldn't be a big deal, I mean, honestly, there's so few websites that legitimately need to use flash these days that rely on flash and will not work at all. If you don't have flash player installed, I'll reiterate the same advice that we've given before on this. If, if you really, really, really need to use a site that relies on flash player it's still available in Google Chrome for now, built in. So you never, ever should install Flash Player on a Mac or on a Windows PC or anything else. Don't install Flash. Use Chrome. And it's safe to assume that Google's version of Flash is a safe version because they've installed Flash themselves inside the browser. Well, right. Yeah, as long as you're keeping your Chrome browser up to date, Um, which mostly means quitting the browser when you're not using it anymore so that the next time you reopen it, it'll be the latest version. As long as you're doing that, then your Flash player is getting updated automatically because it's part of Chrome and it gets updated with Chrome. Okay, we've got a great video this week from Brazil. Now, we've talked about ATM skimmers um, a couple of times in the past. What they are is little devices that people put on the slots of ATMs that when you put your card in, it's able to read information from your card. Sometimes people will be on a building across the street with a telescope to try and see what your PIN number is. And this is an extraordinary video of a police officer in Brazil, and I'm just watching again, and it just makes me laugh. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. And well, by the way, it's not just ATMs. This can also happen at gas pumps and other places too. Basically any place where you can insert a credit card, there could be a skimmer there. And so the advice that we had given in the past was, you know, pull on it a little bit, you know, before you put your card in just to see if there is something on top that's going to come loose. Well, unfortunately that advice is not complete necessarily anymore because <laughs> as as uh, we're laughing about in this video this uh, brazilian police officer shows that the entire front facade of an atm can lift up and then you've got another atm underneath it so um what what happened here apparently is that it although this company that sells these atms will not sell just any person on the street these, you know, uh, a whole ATM like this. 
what they yeah, will. Yeah, because uh, who would want to have an ATM in their house, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And well, mostly I think they want, they're trying to be secure, you know, and make sure that uh, people don't put a fake ATM out in, the, in a lobby somewhere sure. or something. Yeah. But they apparently have no problem shipping ATM parts, any parts that you want to any address, including a home address, residential, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a business address or anything. So what's crazy about this is obviously that means if you can get all the parts then you could just build your own ATM or ATM facade and stick it over the front of a real ATM. Um, and, and this facade has all, has real buttons and circuitry yeah. that actually make the buttons underneath get pushed. So you can do everything that you can normally with the ATM. You're going to get your cash. The only difference is it's going to read all the information from your card. And that's really clever. Yeah. I, and, you know, it wouldn't even have to be functional in the sense that like you'd get your money out because if you think about it, all it would have to do is, uh, be functional to the point where you put in your card, it asks you for your pin. And then it says, oh, the, sorry, this ATM is broken, you know, yeah. and now they've got your card and your pin and, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of scary. But, uh, yeah. so now we've got an extra check that we have to do. <laughs> yes. And we have to pull on the facade of ATMs. <laughs> that's going to look pretty silly, uh, you know, to be out in public and like grabbing the bottom of your ATM and trying to lift it up. I mean, people are going to wonder if you're trying to steal money out of it now. So, oh my goodness, this is getting extra complicated. I did see, by the way, someone replied to that tweet and said, Hey, in my country at my bank, uh, the app that I use to, you know, my banking app, actually I, I sign into the banking app and then it gives me a special code that I put in when I walk up to the ATM. So I'm never putting my card in, never putting my personal pin in. I'm putting in a code that I just got into the ATM and then I can get my money out. Now that's an interesting way to approach this. Assuming you always have your phone with you. If you don't, then you're out of luck and that could be a problem. Let's say you were in an accident, your phone got broken and you can't get cash. So that's a bit of a problem. Sure. But, but it is interesting though. And, and uh, that's something that uh, I would love to see more banks start adopting that kind of technology because, um, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense because you've, you've, you've got to authenticate in your app you know, you got to basically prove who you are. Um, you know, anyone could grab your phone, but you also have to be logged into the app and all that to get money out. So it's not a bad way to, to go about this, especially now that entire ATMs can be skimmers. Yeah, my banking app um, logs me in using Face ID. So it's authenticated me with the device. And when I set up the app on my iPhone, there is a series of multiple codes that I have to enter at different times to confirm that I am who I am. When I want to log in on the website, I get a code from the app, a, a six-digit code from the app to log in on the website, but they haven't extended that to ATMs. Okay, last one before the break. Um, I could spend a half hour talking about this, and I'm going to just plug my music podcast, The Next Track, where we are going to discuss this next week. Vice is talking about a Sonos issue that came up a couple days ago. Sonos makes it clear you no longer own the things you buy. I'm not going to go into details. Sonos is end-of-lifing uh, a bunch of old devices, but the problem here that concerns us is that people will be able to use some of these older devices, but they won't be able to get updates anymore. Now, these are internet-connected devices, and from a security standpoint, this is simply wrong. 
Right. Uh, We can hope that Sonos will listen to all the public backlash over this and at the very least maybe make security updates still available to these devices, but it remains to be seen really what's going to end up happening there. But Sonos clearly does not really want you. I, I think the main thing that they're going for is they don't want people reselling their Sonos devices and so they're trying to discourage people from doing that, I think, is part of what Well, the option here. that they're giving to people with obsolete devices is that they can trade them in to get a 30% discount from new devices. But since these devices are always connected to Sonos's server, the server sends a lock instruction to the devices once you've um, redeemed the discount, 21 days after you've redeemed the discount, and it's bricked. And, of course, there's another problem here because they go to landfill and they can't be reused. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. anyway, we're going to talk about this on the next track next week, the whole obsolescence of software. And particularly, what irks me is that this is an area of hardware where you don't expect this to happen. Uh, I know people with amplifiers and receivers from the 1970s that still work fine. And here you can have a, a Sonos device you bought just a few years ago and it's obsolete and it's it's a waste. Anyway, yeah. we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about hacking iPhones, including Jeff Bezos's iPhone. I mean, this is a story right, right out of Mission Impossible. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. And then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 40%. That's PODCAST19 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, so you've seen it in the news. Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon and of the Washington Post, got his iPhone hacked. Now, we're in pretty much uncharted territory here because the person who hacked Bezos' phone is the Saudi Arabian crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. This isn't your, and we joke, typical Tom Cruise thing. This goes up to the highest level of a government. You may have seen the news that Jeff was messing around with someone and some pictures got out and some text messages got out and it ended up with a divorce. In fact, probably the biggest divorce settlement in the history of mankind. And all of this was from this hack. So this kind of started with um, Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist and Washington Post columnist who was allegedly murdered by the Saudis. Um, Since he was working for the Washington Post, the Saudis were attacking the Washington Post and Bezos to attack him. This is really complicated. We're going to link to a whole slew of articles. What's really interesting to us, though, is how this process happened. And the the UN even had a commission looked into this, and we've got a report, link in the show notes. It has a timeline. 
essentially, the Crown Prince sent a video, I don't know if it was a funny video or a cat video or whatever, via WhatsApp to Jeff Bezos, who clicked on this video, and this somehow infected his phone. Now, what's not clear is, did it get everything in his phone, or did it only get access to WhatsApp? We see a lot of discussion of photos and text messages, which are all things that can go through WhatsApp, but nothing about email. And when we were discussing this before the show, I was thinking, if they've got Bezos's email, I mean, imagine what this means for Amazon as a company. Well, yeah, and that's a good point. And, and we don't know that they got access to his email. So it is possible. And, and by the way, if anyone has more uh, specific details on this, um, be sure to write into us at podcast at intigo.com and we'd love to, to hear more. Um, but a, as of right now, it, uh, it does, it's not very clear from reports whether it was truly his entire iPhone 10 that was compromised or just WhatsApp, as, as you mentioned. So the whole idea that someone's uh, phone, or at least you know, a lot of really sensitive information on your phone could could get compromised uh, just by someone sending you a message um, is a little uh, concerning. Um, but it, you know, it's it's important to realize this is not the kind of thing that your average person uh, who wants to hack into your phone is going to be able to do. Um, this is, this is really nation state level, you know, like, like we always say, Tom Cruise type stuff. This is stuff that, uh, is not easy to pull off. It usually requires, uh, knowledge of some unknown vulnerability that's not been patched yet. And, um, you know, this is a team of real cybersecurity experts with lots of resources, exactly. maybe buying vulnerabilities on the black market to be able to do this. And all of this to target a single person. And think of how many other people might have been targeted that don't even know about it. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Because Bezos. Is- so if you've received a WhatsApp message from a Saudi crown prince, um, <laughs> write us at podcast at intico.com. <laughs> I'm joking, but this is very serious because uh, let's be honest, there are different classes of people in the world and the wealthy and powerful people are obviously much more vulnerable to this sort of thing. You know, the only crown princes who send me messages are Nigerian crown princes who want to get $40 million in diamonds out of the country. And and we know that's a joke, but this kind of thing is the, the level of what this means in terms of international relations is kind of stunning. And this is not what we are experts in, but I, I could never imagine five years ago hearing of, you know, the head of one of the biggest companies in the world being attacked by a state actor like this. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit shocking. Okay, so this week there's been a lot about hacking and cracking iPhones. There was this FBI case that we talked about, I think, last week in Florida where uh, the FBI was saying that they wanted Apple's help. But at the same time, all these articles came out. Um, talking about how different groups have been able to crack iPhones. We've got the New York City Police Department that has a $10 million cyber lab to break iPhones, to crack iPhones. We've got Democratic Congress people using Celebrite to publish iPhone messages from someone involved in the Ukraine scandal. We've got Police Scotland who has a cyber kiosk with a video of how Celebrite works in action. So people who are complaining that Apple's not helping them crack iPhones, they seem to have plenty of options these days, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've mentioned before um, that Celebrite 
has been used, uh, you know, as a sort of send off service. And, and as we can see in that police Scotland video, they also have hardware that's available to, uh, to law enforcement now as well. Just the same as, uh, as gray shift has been doing for a while with their gray key device, which we've talked about, uh, in the past. So, you know, it's definitely the case that there are a lot of resources, uh, a lot of different ways that you can go about breaking into devices. We've mentioned that uh, older devices, say, you know, the iPhone 10 and 8 and older models uh, are a little more vulnerable. But apparently even an iPhone 11 Pro Max is able to uh, to be decrypted and we don't necessarily know all the details here. Maybe what happened was they had a four-digit pin and they used a stupid pin. And that's <laughs> essentially how they were able to break into that iPhone 11 recently. But, um, you know, just the, the idea that it's this is even happening with current model, current generation phones. iPhones is pretty interesting. Um, the Fast Company article about the New York City Police Department says something that's interesting. Five years ago, only 52% of the smartphones that the district attorney's office obtained were locked. Today, that figure is 82%. I just find it stunning that 99.9% of phones aren't locked, that some people basically set up their phones without a pin. Is that the only way you, you can do that? You know, it's it's something that I think uh, if you're setting up a new iPhone now, I know that Apple really almost forces you to set a pin. Um, you can opt not to. The last time that I tried this, it's been a while since I've actually tried doing this. But um, the last time I tried it, I seem to recall that uh, Apple basically prompts you over and over and says, no, 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 Do you, we really think you need to set a pin <laughs> uh, and it'll still allow you to not set a pin, but, uh, but it makes it, they sort of like pressure you enough that you're going to be like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll just make a pin. I'll, I'll, even if it's a simple one, at least that's something better than not having any pin at all, where anyone can just pick up your phone and get into it. Um, the New York City Cybercrime Lab is able to successfully crack about half the phones in its possession, which I find to be quite a lot. Now, half is probably presumably their older phones or cheaper Android phones that don't have the same uh, information. But what they point out is that they can get iPhone data from the cloud server. And we just mentioned earlier that uh, if uh, law enforcement agencies follow certain procedures, Apple will go in and get the iCloud data. They can get metadata um, for phone calls, time and location, they can get that from phone carriers or SIM cards. So there's actually quite a bit of data they can get even without cracking the phone, isn't there? Yeah, and and, and that's a, a really good point, that it's not necessarily all about what, what lives on your phone. Um, you know, a lot of people use third-party services, um, you know, that you may be able to send a request to get data out of those services. Um, you know, people use Google Drive, uh, you know, Google Docs and those kind of things, Dropbox. You can send a request if you're a government agency or, you know, you have uh, legal authority to be able to make these requests and, and get access to that information. Um, you can send requests to these companies and a lot of these companies uh, have access to that data. It's not uh, encrypted at rest using a key that only you have. 
Um, it's uh, usually in many of these cases, I would say, um, it's accessible to those companies as well. So even, even if somebody can't break into your phone necessarily, they, they can still often get a lot of data about you and stuff that is on your phone, but is also stored somewhere else like the iCloud data. Yeah, in some cases, maybe people don't sync photos to the cloud, so the photos might only be on the phone, but they can always get email. If they know who your email provider is, right, mm-hmm. um, if it's iCloud, Mac.com, or whatever, they can go to Apple. If not, they can find who's hosting the email, if they can find this information. But if they can't get into the phone at all to know whether this person is using WhatsApp, this person has email with Google, or whatever, then that also could be a problem. Okay, I think that's enough for this week. Um, lots of links in the show notes if you want to follow up on this. We don't know a lot about the Jeff Bezos hack. Um, as I said, there is a document by a UN organization that gives a timeline and a lot of detail, but there are a lot of questions. Um, this really just came out yesterday. We're recording on Thursday. It came out on Wednesday. So I think in the coming weeks, we're going to hear more. Um, fascinating. Um, don't Accept messages from any crown princes from anywhere, Josh. (laughs) So until next week, stay extra secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>